This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, along with Archbishop Alexander Sample, and today we want to get you ready for the month of October, the month of the rosary, and also a beautiful month to focus on respect life. And as we have some really powerful topics to discuss today, Archbishop, would you please open us in prayer? Yes, indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you chose the most blessed Virgin Mary to be the mother of your son, Jesus. You prepared her, Lord, by preserving her from the very first moment of her conception, from all stain of sin, so that she could be a worthy vessel to receive the incarnate word, your son, that she could be the first tabernacle within which your son, Jesus, entered into our world. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of our Heavenly Mother, and how she formed Jesus in her own womb, and how she forms the image of Christ in each one of us through her powerful love and intercession. As we approach the month of the Rosary, we ask that you inspire among all of our people a renewed devotion to Our Lady, who leads us always to the heart of her Son, Jesus. Make us all, Lord, serve Jesus in Mary. And all of this we ask through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. O Mary, conceived without sin, Pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I definitely wanted to just give you an opportunity to help us reflect on this month of the Rosary. It's so beautiful. We have tremendous amount of saints, but of course, Our Lady. And then the first weekend in the churches here in the United States, we have Respect Life Sunday. And I know that there's lots of different things that happen on the parish level, prayers for life. We're praying for life every day. (laughs) But just this is a significant time, I think, for us to reconnect with who we are as members of the body of Jesus Christ. And what we represent is a culture of life. And I don't know, I guess every decade, every era, there's this push from the darkness Mm. to to push out that, that sacredness of human life that we represent in the life of Jesus Christ. Yes, you know we have we have much to celebrate, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, this coming Respect Life Month and Respect Life Sunday. Uh, we had, of course, the Supreme Court Dobbs decision, yeah, which overturned the Roe versus Wade decision, and and finally the court has acknowledged that it was a bad decision, and you know, and it and it's not a it's a it's a legal issue. Uh, a lot of people are are accusing. Uh, the uh, especially you know it's, there's a subtle anti-Catholic attack 
really on the justices of the Supreme Court who voted in favor of the Dobbs decision to overturn Roe versus Wade and trying to paint it as a narrow ideological religious uh, perspective that has been imposed on everyone. It was a legal mm-hmm. uh, a decision uh, by, tr- you know, true what we call constructionists, people who interpret the Constitution literally, and, and they basically just said that we cannot find in the Constitution a guaranteed right to an abortion, and it's a state's issue. And it, so the issue goes back to the states for, for decision. Um, so we have a lot to celebrate in that, because finally, a, at least a door is opened uh, where we can begin to protect human life again in its most vulnerable and most fragile form, the, the unborn child in the womb. Uh, so, so there's a lot to celebrate. At the same time, the Dobbs decision, we know, unleashed a whole new strong backlash and effort to push and, and promote abortion rights. Uh, there's a great fear that uh, you know the right to to take the life of an unborn child is going to be taken away from uh, people, women, and 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 those who who work, who live with them, advise them, who love them. And uh, we see this we see this this year. If if people are, I don't, uh, I'm proud to say I don't watch a lot of television, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, the the little bit of a television I do watch, usually news stuff or sports, uh, there's a lot of uh, advertising out there right now. We're in the political season. we got an election coming up. And I've been noticing that a lot of the advertising is pushing uh, the abortion issue. It's, in, it's, very, it's much more, much bolder than I have ever seen in any political season where this candidate you know, wants to, to radically take away your right to an abortion, whereas this candidate is the only one who's going to protect a woman's right to abortion. Uh, and it's all over the place, all over the place. You know, they, they use phrasing like women's health care or women's reproductive rights as if an abortion is, a, is an alternative form of birth control, that if a child is conceived, well, we just take care of that by killing the child. And so... The darkness, as you say, is pushing back in, in this time. So we need to, we need to redouble our efforts mm-hmm. uh, and, and to keep our focus on life, on the protection of, of the most vulnerable of all life, the unborn child. Uh, we need to really, I mean, we got here mm-hmm. by perseverance and by prayer. I'm, I'm convinced that the Dobbs decision is the fruit of decades now of perseverance and prayer among people of goodwill who recognize the dignity of the unborn child. So we need to, we need to in this climate now, uh, we need to continue to pray. And, and so this, this Respect Life Month uh, should be a time for rejoicing and giving thanks to God in prayer for, for this great uh, change in our country, but to also pray. And I, 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 when I pray, I pray for really the conversion of the hearts of abortionists and their supporters um, that that somehow they will see uh, the the light, if you will, uh, the light of of the dignity of the unborn child. When I see the anger, when I see the vitriol, when I see even the the the, the tone of some of these people's voices, the look in their eye, uh, there's just something very very off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we need to pray for the conversion of the hearts of these good folks. And so we set aside this month. And yes, it's a respect life month. We we 
tend to focus on the unborn child, but there's it's a spectrum of of life issues. You know, uh, anti euthanasia, care for um, you know the elderly and the handicapped, uh, and uh, also protecting all all of life in in all of its forms and in the dignity of the human person and social justice and all of those other issues as well to ensure that people have adequate health care and education and economic justice and all of those things and i'm not a i'm not what they call a seamless garment uh, theorist but because the primary issue is the life issue you know you can't talk about rights uh, to other things for people who have been denied the very right to exist so we need to to keep a, a as the bishops have said, the preeminence issue continues to be uh, the abortion issue. Right. And when you say, you know, double up on our prayers and and really have that focus, I love that over several years now, maybe 2007, 2008, when the 40 Days for Life campaign kicked off first in Texas and it spread not only around the country, but literally around the globe, anchored in prayer, peaceful prayer. In fact, you have to sign an agreement to say we will Mm -hmm. be peacefully gathering at a vigil site during a 40-day period of time in the spring and in the fall, and then offer, if needed, sidewalk counseling, but have time of fasting, have time of education, you know, just for people to share that outreach of information, but constant prayer, and it works. Prayer with love works and the campaign is kicking off the 28th of September it goes through November 6th for this fall season but I know we have uh, usually a kickoff mass uh, our priests and, and religious come as often as they're able to to support in in these times of prayer and vigil maybe just speak a little bit about you've been to so many yeah. of these 40 days for life gatherings t- to know that when we're standing outside in a very hostile situation but we are there to advocate for the unborn, for their mothers, for their fathers, for their brothers and sisters, that we want to pray about life. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, I was just thinking about that as you were speaking. I, I remember very clearly my very first involvement in prayer for the defense of the unborn child, you know, it connected with abortion. This is, goes back to my youngest days as a priest. I was a parochial vicar. It was my first assignment. I was a baby priest. <laughs> and I, st- in fact, just, the, just a couple weeks ago, I came across some pictures of me uh, that somebody had taken where a group of us would gather outside a clinic uh, in Marquette, Michigan, uh, which is where I was serving at the time. And we didn't have a Planned Parenthood facility, and we didn't have a facility dedicated to uh, you know, abortion. But there was an OBGYN uh, practice that did abortions. And so we would gather on the sidewalk on a Saturday morning just and pray the rosary together. And there would be um, myself, maybe an, uh, one or two other priests, uh, good lay people, children mm-hmm. uh, gathered in prayer. And it was just simply very beautiful and prayerful and, and, and not angry or, or, or protesting. It was just a prayerful thing. So that was my orientation into this whole world. And I've always tried to maintain that spirit. And I think we always need to maintain that mm-hmm. spirit. When I look at the news since the Dobbs decision. And I, you see the contrast between those who are pro-abortion and who are angry and, and, and in your face about abortion rights. You saw the people protesting, you know, with horrible signs outside, you know, the Supreme Court uh, Associate Justice's homes. And then you contrast that with those in, in the pro-life movement who are praying Mm-hmm. Or, you know, providing sidewalk support and counseling. There's such a contrast, you know, and, and, and so we go about this with great love. 
with great compassion, uh, with uh, prayer, with a calm, with a, with a joy and a love that, that you can see you know, in, in people's faces. It's the rare, rare person that I have ever seen at a quote-unquote pro-life rally or, or an event outside an abortion clinic like 40 Days for Life or other, other uh, initiatives that is, you know, is, is, is over the edge for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and quite honestly, we we need an examination of conscience on that. But overall, it's just a very prayerful experience, and I, I'm very proud uh, to have been a part of it. Sometimes I'm involved in the kickoff mass. I'll celebrate the kickoff mass uh, for the leadership and and other volunteers who are going to participate in the 40 Days for Life that year, and just to give them a little blessing and a fervorino. Sometimes I'm there, you know, on the sidewalk uh, for the opening uh, of the 40 Days for Life. I remember. Uh, when the abortion clinic was over on Lovejoy, and, and thank God that place has closed down. Uh, but I used to sometimes have to, not have to, but it would be directed by, by uh, uh, Siri on Google Maps to go take that way into the office. And I remember I'd, every time I'd come up to that corner and there'd be good, the good 40 days for life, people would always roll down my window and, and encourage them and give them a blessing. Uh, and they always, you know, seem to appreciate that. Quite honestly, now uh, one of the most horrible abortion providers uh, is in the same building downtown where I have another. I have a medical office that I have to go to in there. And I tell you, every time I come into that building now, having learned that, I, I feel this dark oppressiveness come over. And uh, I always pray. And I, I pray actually prayers of exorcism mm-hmm. as I'm as I'm in that building over over the evil that's going on there. So so I'm very proud to stand with. Uh, our people, people of our faith, people of other faiths, people sometimes who don't have faith but who recognize the dignity of human life. And, and I'm proud to stand with, with all of them uh, in, in defense of, of especially of the unborn child. Right. And as we talk about Respect Life Month, I think about all of the efforts for so many years. You mentioned persistence and prayer, but all of the different Respect Life communities, Knights of Columbus, I think about the maternity homes, you know, the Father Taft maternity homes, and many different ways that we are doing our part as a Christian community to help walk with women, walk with their children, support them along the way, all of the different, from a diaper drive to raising money to having cribs at churches, that's one of the most beautiful things, to walk into a parish and see a big crib, and everybody's going to fill that up because we know we're going to support a woman who's going to choose life. Right. You know, the U.S. bishops, too, had their initiative of walking with moms in need. Yes. You know, and when I was on the pro-life committee of the bishops' conference, I don't serve on the committee anymore. It's turned over. Um, but I was, that was one of my greatest joys as a member of the Bishop's uh, Conference over my 16-plus years as a member of the conference was to serve on the pro-life committee under Archbishop Nauman's able and wonderful leadership. And the Walking with Moms in Need, you know, was an initiative to really show that we, we, and isn't, we can't be just simply anti-abortion or, you know, pro-life, as they say, and, and, and try to squash out abortion. But we need to be there to love and to support women and men who find themselves in, in these, this difficult situation of an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy. And we need to be able to be there to support them. You know, I, I'm so inspired by uh, Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, you know, when she said, you know, I will take your child. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't want your child, I will take him or her. Give, give them to me. We kind of need to have that, that, that sort of a spirit. We do a lot, but I, I will say we have to do more. Mm-hmm. We have to do more to really provide help and support and, and, and assistance to those uh, women and, the, and their families in this time of crisis for them. 
so that they can choose life and uh, that, that they know that there's a community there to love them and to support them and that they, they do have a choice. They do have a choice. Mm-hmm. Abortion is not the answer. Death of the unborn child is not the solution to any problem. It only exacerbates it and makes it worse. Uh, and, and anybody who denies you know, the post-abortive you know, uh, trauma uh, syndrome, you know, are just, they've just got their heads in the sand. You know. And they, you know, in the abortion industry and their supporters, they will not acknowledge that there's any psychological harm done to a woman uh, who chooses to, to, to abort her child. Uh, of course, there's tremendous harm done. And we need to be there to love and support uh, the women also who have suffered this tragedy already in their life, who have chosen the path of abortion. They need to know the healing and the love of Jesus. Uh, they need to know that, that mercy and forgiveness is within easy reach and that we are there to love them and support them. And we don't judge them. Uh, we don't condemn them. We, we love them and we, we embrace them. And we want them to find the healing and the mercy uh, that ultimately only God can give. And, you know, I, I think we really need to emphasize, you know, I, I think of my years as a priest in preaching on this issue, but also uh, without breaking any seals, you know, I've been a confessor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I've been a confessor. And, and so I know the trauma and the pain uh, that, that people experience. And to be an instrument of the healing love of God for his people, especially those who are hurt in this way, is, is such a privilege. Yeah, so the church really needs to even step it up, especially in the wake of the Dobbs decision, and as many states now are mm-hmm. uh, either outlawing abortion or placing you know serious restrictions on abortion. You know, we need to we need to be there to support. Uh, the, the The reality is, you know, we live in a state here in Oregon where, you know, we have some of the most uh, extreme pro-abortion laws in the country, if not the most extreme, or at least I don't think anybody outdoes us. You know, this is a time now, and this is what I want people to be thinking about. Before the Roe versus Wade was overturned, this was on the federal level. In other words, the federal government, uh, a woman's right to abortion was guaranteed. That protection now uh, of, on a federal level is taken away. And so now it devolves to the states. So before Roe v. Wade, you know, people would say, well, you know, what difference does it make who we vote for to public office? Because they can't do anything about it anyway. It's a constitutional right. It's recognized by the Supreme Court. No state can restrict somebody's right. So who, what difference does it matter who you vote for, for your congressman or your senator or your local politicians in the House and the Senate or your governor or your whoever? Now it matters. Mm-hmm. Because now we can affect a change yeah. through our, 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 those people that we elect to public office. So, um, you know, I just want people to pay attention to that, especially as, as Election Day draws near. Yeah. And you mentioned that instrument of healing, instrument of change, the rosary. The rosary, the rosary, and I don't think we should ever not talk about the rosary, not talk about the power of prayer and the intercession of our Blessed Mother, the Mother of God, leading us to Christ's peace. But we dedicate a whole month in the church in a special way, honoring uh, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary on October mm-hmm. 7th. But there's something special about maybe a re-reminder uh, to get re-engaged in why is the rosary one of those devotional prayers that kind of 
gets to the top of the right. list. Right. It, it's, it's such a beautiful and such a powerful prayer. You know, it's funny because the Feast of the Most Holy Rosary, <laughs> October 7th, is my dad's birthday, oh, uh, yeah. which I always found was, was kind of interesting. That, that we, we have a weird thing in my family, by the way, just as a quick side note. My mother was born on September 7th. My father was born on October 7th. And I was born on November 7th. Uh-huh. So we, we had the, the three sevens. <laughs> the and I remember that living in Las Vegas, we always thought of the, the jackpot, you know, the three sevens in a row. Uh, but yes, we have this wonderful gift that, that uh, the church has given us, that Our Lady has given us, the gift of the Most Holy Rosary. And it's a powerful, powerful prayer. And, you know, it was funny because, you know, there was that article in Atlantic Monthly uh, recently <laughs> that was taking on... Catholics for using the rosary as what we because we call it a spiritual weapon, and they literally took that they took that literally. They they thought this was violent that these Christians these Catholics are violent. They're talking about this rosary as a weapon, you know. Well, it's a it's it's not a weapon that that we're doing harm to anybody with. It's a spiritual weapon in in, in the midst of spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a life issue whether it's many of the other tremendous challenges that are facing us culturally today in, in, in our world, whatever you, you want to name, mm-hmm. and you can make your own list, but there are a lot of evils in the world today, a lot of darkness, and this is a weapon in, in the spiritual battle that is very powerful. And uh, I just really encourage us all to be praying the rosary. I, my dream, maybe I've said this before, my dream would be that every single Catholic in the Archdiocese of Portland prays daily a rosary. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we would do that, and I'm not exaggerating, if every Catholic in this Archdiocese would pray the rosary every day, you would see incredible things happen here, powerful things happen here. I believe that with all my heart. You know, I recently, um, this is somewhat personal, but I recently on the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary this year, on June 27th, I think it was, I made my consecration to Our Lady according to the the, the practice of St. Louis Marie de Montfort, uh, the true devotion. Uh, So I went through that whole exercise of building up to the consecration, and people will sometimes now notice me wearing the chain uh, around my wrist, which is a reminder to me of the consecration that I have made. And in part of that is, is, a, is a recognition of the power of the, of the Hail Mary and a devotion to the Hail Mary, uh, which we say, of course, repeatedly in, in the rosary. It's, it's, a, it's such a beautiful, powerful prayer. And, you know, the thing about it is it's, it's, not, a, a just, it's not meant to be a, just a rote, mm-hmm. repetitive prayer, but it's a meditative prayer because we pray the, 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 the decades of the rosaries, we meditate upon the mysteries of our Lord's life. Uh, and Our Lady's involvement in, in the Lord's life. So it's it's a meditative prayer. It's a contemplative prayer, as much as it is a vocal prayer. Um, just the rosary beads in, in your, to have them in your pocket, mm-hmm. you know, is is such a, a, a beautiful thing. You know, as I think I said recently, this rosary I carry with me is 38 years old. You know, it's, it's, it's a dear friend. And exorcists, people who are involved in exorcism ministry and deliverance ministry will tell you that, Sometimes when the rite itself, the, the ritual of the church isn't doing what it, we expect it to do, a rosary, a Hail Mary, or a series of Hail Marys will, will uh, really drive the demons uh, away. So 
uh, if we want protection, spiritual protection in our own lives, in our own families, in our homes, in our hearts, in our church, in our world, please, please, good people, continue. For those of you who are praying the rosary every day, please continue to do so. Don't give up the practice. For those of you who maybe prayed the rosary at one time and have stopped praying, please, please, please pick it up again. Uh, and, and let Our Lady help transform your life. For those who have never prayed the rosary, mm-hmm. uh, look into this. Adopt this spiritual practice. Teach your children and your grandchildren to do this. Pray together as a family. You know, Father Peyton uh, you know, used to say, you know, the family that prays together stays together. And it sounds maybe kind of hokey and pietistic, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please, people, in this month of October, Re-engage with the Most Holy Rosary and then make it a practice uh, uh, forever going forward. Absolutely. And I just have to mention, because we are in the Archdiocese of Portland where we have the Rosary Center and Confraternity. I mean, if you want a resource on the Rosary, check out Holy Rosary. And across the street, there are so many beautiful resources that are staffed by the Dominicans. And Confraternity is this beautiful pledge that I will pray the Rosary every day. And so as we pray as a community, what a powerful thing it is. And let us continue to pray for life. And so with that, Archbishop, will continue to pray here on The Voice of the Shepherd. Would you please help us close with your blessing? And through the intercession of the most blessed Virgin Mary, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.